Let me just encourage you again how absolutely valuable it is to take opportunity to give thanks to God. We saw it again during this past week. Something very compelling, something very, very strong uh, when we speak about what God has done. So much so that uh, often we see that, that seeds of faith are sown at that point. We saw it during this last week. Uh, in fact, it was testified to it during this last week. As somebody celebrated one thing, gave thanks in one thing, it created uh, a place of faith uh, and expectation in other hearts as well. So that's very, very key. And uh, I think probably we could do better at that. Anybody agree? I think you could do better at that. Anybody agree? I mean, I think you could do better at that. Anybody agree? Nobody's really come back on me yet. So. <laughs> yes, I could. I'm admitting it. <clears throat> yeah. All right, so we want to look some more at what we've been looking at in terms of covenant relationship. And to do that, uh, initially, a number of things we're going to do this morning. I'd like us to look together at uh, a very important passage of Scripture there in 1 John chapter 4, verse 7. 1 John chapter 4, verse 7. I think what I'd like to do, uh, if I can just uh, indulge your concentration for a minute, I'd like to just read that through. Uh, I was going to just read and comment, but let me read it through so we get the whole um, measure of that. Um, for I'm going to read from 7 to 21. And, uh, and then we'll, we'll look at the different things that come out. Dear friends, so this is not like an attack, all right? It's dear friends. This is not, uh, I've, I said I wasn't going to comment, but this is just an introduction. This is not, you have done badly and I'm going to beat you up, all right? This is the writer saying, dear friends. It's a kind of loving encouragement, all right? So, um, smile sweetly, look at someone and say, would you care to listen to a loving encouragement? Did anybody get a no? All right, we probably, we probably enjoy loving encouragements, okay? <clears throat> Dear friends, let us love one another. For love comes from God. Everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God. Whoever does not love does not know God, because God is love. This is how God showed his love among us. He sent his one and only son into the world that we might live through him. This is love. Not that we love God, but that he loved us and sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. <clears throat> Dear friends, he's at it again. Dear friends, since God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. No one has ever seen God, but if we love one another, God lives in us and his love 
is made complete in us. We know that we live in him and he in us because he has given us of his spirit. And we have seen and testify that the Father has sent his Son to be the Saviour of the world. And if anyone acknowledges that Jesus is the Son of God, God lives in him and he in God. And so we know and rely on the love God has for us. God is love. Whoever lives in love lives in God and God in him. In this way, love is made complete among us so that we will have confidence on the day of judgment because in this world we are like him. There is no fear in love but perfect love drives out fear because fear has to do with punishment. The one who fears is not made perfect in love. We love because he first loved us. If anyone says I love God yet hates his brother he's a liar. For anyone who does not love his brother whom he has seen cannot love God whom he has not seen. And he has given us this commandment. Whoever loves God must also love his brother. I don't feel that there's anything particularly new that we're saying about this. I just feel that we are reiterating, reminding, refreshing on what God really wants and what he really says and what he requires of us. Dear friends, let us love one another for love comes from God. Everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God. All right, that resolves one problem. Um, We're related. Whether we like it or not, we're related. I am related to you. You are related to me. Reminds me of that old saying, thank God we can choose friends because we suffer relationships. (laughs) In this instance, we have both. Yeah? You're my brother, you're my sister. Isn't that amazing? Neil Jakes is my brother. I see see there is a certain family likeness creeping in, not wishing to draw attention to it, of course. (coughs) Not as good looking, no. Now there's a word of wisdom right there. What's the descent over here? PJ Cole is my brother. Not as good looking, Scott. Right, okay. We're related. We have the same father. It's the most spiritually natural thing to love one another. Otherwise, we have a dysfunctional family situation. So, accepting one another is not therefore something that we have to achieve or qualify in. It's basically, we just recognize well, we are part of one another. <coughs> we belong to one another. We're related. And it would be perverse not to love someone that you're related to, wouldn't it? Yeah. So, 
We're already equipped with that. I think that's the point I want us to understand. It's not something that we have to try and find someone that qualifies for it or we find someone that's acceptable. We start off <clears throat> from that place of being built to love, being in relationship, which is very different, isn't it? It's very different to the natural way. In the natural way, you might meet somebody or you get to be friends with them, you get to know them, you may grow to love them. In the kingdom of God, we can love before we ever really know. We can experience the reality of that heart joining, not based on what somebody is like, not based on how much they are like us or whether they meet our criteria. We can start off from the place of loving and then get to know from there. It's completely round the other way, which is so often the case as far as kingdom is concerned. It often works that way. Then we see as we go down, um, this is love, not that we love God, but that he loved us and sent his son as an atoning sacrifice. See, <clears throat> it's spelling out that, that this love is not um, an impulse from feelings. Now, I'm not saying that we're, we have to be devoid of feelings, but this is not about, all. Oh, I've seen Neil and something leapt in my heart. It, it's not about that. It, we are not a people that are led by feelings. Equally, we're not devoid of feelings. We're led of the Spirit of God. So the issue here is not an impulse from feelings, not something which um, we start off from that place. It's a decision that we make because what God has done is our response to what God has done in us. He set his love in us, which enables us not only to be part of his family, but to express his love in the family. <clears throat> Reading on. Dear friends, since God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. No one has ever seen God, but if we love one another, God lives in us and his love is made complete in us. You know, love is seen more in the practical outworking. Not, not an impulse from feeling, but it's a decision which is expressed in practical ways. The love of God is essentially practical. You can't love with the love of God and it not have a practical outworking. It's not some sort of mystical thing. Um, as we love one another, it's not some mystical sort of weird joining type of odd thing. It's very real. It is in the heart. But because it's the love of God, it has very definite, practical and real outworkings. And we've talked about some of those and maybe we'll cover some more of those. It's seen much more in the action that it prompts, not just in the desirability of the object. And it goes on to say, it's really not an option. When did ought become an option? You ought to do something. You ought to drive on the left-hand side of the road. Oh, well, I don't know. I think that's just an option. Well, fairly soon we'll find it 
wasn't an option. With a loud crash. These things, sometimes people say, well, you know, praise God, I live under the new covenant. There's no rules. There's no commandments. Not true. Ought sounds more like an instruction. The good part is, everything that he tells us to do, he empowers us to do it. So it's not that we've got to struggle to try and do it. So the issue of choosing to be obedient to God empowers us automatically to be able to live in that way. That's the good news. God empowers us as we choose to be obedient to him. It goes on to encourage us. It says this um, in verse 17, love is made in this way love is made complete among us so that we will have confidence on the day of judgment because in this world we are like him. Isn't that amazing? We are like him in love. We've just been celebrating in song and praise the love of God. But he says he's put something in us that causes us to love in that way. Sacrificially, practically, in a committed way. That's how he's made us. When we're born again, he put that inside us. It's a bit sort of frightening, really, that we can actually love with the love of God. Am I saying we're equal to God? No, I'm saying the same characteristics. Pax has not got to prove himself to me or do things which make him acceptable in order for me to love him. I have not got to be a particular type of person for him to love me because love is with the, with the quality of the love of God. It's there by God's power and God's grace. We're not trying to get something or grow into something. We're simply seeking as we submit to God to live in the good of what he's provided and to be an expression of what he's like on the earth, which fundamentally has to be love. And God gives us those who we have the opportunity to be uh, an outworking of that covenant relationship which we potentially have with all born-again believers. So it says, in essence, that... <clears throat> We'll be made like him in character. It's the identification of believers with God in character. We, uh, this, is, this is a bit mind-blowing. We have the same character as God. I mean, that's difficult enough to believe about me. Yet alone to believe it about you. But you've got to choose. Is this true? Or is it not true? God said it, so it must be true. Have the same characteristic. Be made like him in character. You kind of feel that in this, in this portion that we read, it's a, it's a bit of a build-up, really. It's kind of piling one thing on top of another so that we are completely and wholly impacted by just what 
the significance is of what he has done for us and what he's given us in this. We'll be made like him in character. It's an act of the will resulting in God living in us and completing. Love is made complete. Let's take it a little bit further. All right? Richard loves God. I love God. God loves me. God loves Richard because he loves me more. All right? That's good, isn't it? God loves me. God loves Richard. Yeah? But then the Word of God says, God's love is made complete only when I love him and he loves me. Now, we, simple human beings, whose very righteousness was as filthy rags until God changed us, are engaged in actually making a completion of the very heart and nature of God by loving one another. Hey, guys, look. This is not some sort of social nicety. This is about the completion of the purpose of God on the earth. This is about the primary thing that God wants. Only as I love him and he loves me is the very heart and purpose of God completed on the earth. That's why this notion of just having a relationship with God and not with anybody else is completely blown out the water. It's blown out the water by what we've read already. It's blown out the water further by the fact that actually the love of God, the whole purpose of him sending his one and only son is only fulfilled and achieved in its completion as we love one another. That says to me, I have somebody to love. Because love must have an object. If I walked in and I said, I love, I love, I love. You say, what? Yes, I love, I love, I love. You'd, you'd say, you love what? Love must have an object. You can't just, I love. It's got to have an object. And so God draws us together in order to be that completion. And it's an absolute tragedy if we don't actually fulfill that. That's why he speaks to us about moving on in what he has brought to us, caused us to live in over these years. He wants to take us to the next stage. He wants to take us into this new depth, this new expression of loving one another as we love him. The love is made complete brings that completion. And then, of course, we, we find again uh, in that last verse, uh, whoever loves God must also love his brother. It's essentially a command. Uh, and with that command comes the grace to actually do it, which is very, very good news. We are renewed in his likeness. If we look in... Uh, Colossians, it tells us the same thing. <coughs> if I'm renewed, I'm not struggling to love my brother. It's something that's being done. It just, it's easy to be obedient to God. 
because he enables us to carry it through. You with me? It's a choice. I can choose, dear Lord, you told me I've got to love my brother and I've just seen Phil Ackerman. Come on, Lord, that's really stretching the point. But I can choose. I've not got to try and think of all these good points and all these, well, one of his good points. <laughs> I've not got to try and think of what a nice guy he is or how kind he's been to me or we have the same interests or we're like, none of that matters at all because God has empowered me and changed me and enabled me. If I choose to be obedient to him, there's something absolutely supernatural that he's placed inside of me which allows me to love him and him to love me and us to complete what God intends and to be an expression of what he's really like on the earth because then we can become an outworking of it from what's in our heart, not from a list of things we ought to do but from a thing that we want to express. God is in the business of enlarging our hearts causing us to love more and enjoy it more. It's good to be loved. Hmm? Not many people don't like to be loved. And even those who don't like to be loved, God has provided healing for, so they can be. What God intends us for. Hmm. It's not optional, it's a command. And since God is speaking to us about it, we have to explore what it means to actually pursue this further. But there's a, another thing that I want to draw to your attention. It says, um, Mark chapter 12 says, Love your neighbor as yourself. So, we have a problem if we don't love ourselves. If I can't stand me, then I'm going to not really be able to stand Neil. And that's very sad, Neil, isn't it? So, how, you, how are we doing on loving ourselves? Have you done the little test lately? Do you want to do the test, Neil? Yeah? Let's do the test. This would be familiar to many of you. We could drum up a new one, but you can do that if you want. I'm happy with what I've got. You ready? You can answer it. If you've got a bit of paper or something like that, or one of those electronic demon machines, you can put it in there. You don't have to write it all down. You just have to put, put, yes, put a column for yes and a column for no. Do you ever consider yourself unfavorably with other brothers and sisters? Yes or no? Do you sometimes shy away from brothers or sisters because they're better than you are? Are you ever afraid to speak your mind because of what they might think? Do you sometimes struggle to let people know what you really feel, what you're really feeling. 
Is it often easier to ask God to help you than to ask a brother or sister? Is it easier to do things yourself rather than risk someone else doing things wrong? Have you ever thought that life would be easier if everyone else thought like you? No laughter of identification allowed. You just have to put yes or no. Have you recently avoided taking on a task because you think that you would never do it as well as people would expect you to? Do you ever get tempted to measure other people's commitment to God by how many things they do? Meetings they attend or projects they're involved with. And do you think people judge you in the same way that you judge them? And you can then count up your yeses and count up your noes and see where you stand. You don't have to hand your homework in. So we're looking at this issue of... Uh, covenant relationship we're talking about uh, loving as we love ourselves but we never just talk about things God doesn't just talk about things God is in the business of doing things you see let's just take that for example <clears throat> if you conclude you know truth of the matter is I do struggle a bit to love myself. So therefore, it is going to be an obstacle to loving my brother, my sister. God doesn't raise things <coughs> to, to present them <coughs> and then whip them away from us. He doesn't offer something and as you go to take it, whip it away. God's saying this because he's in the business of doing things. Today, today, God wants to confirm his word with signs following. And if you identify with one of these things, or some of what we've already said about the outworking of covenant relationship, don't, don't just go off. Let's pray the thing through and see the dramatic change. We've heard about a supernatural God doing things supernaturally from Laura this morning. Remarkable. Wonderful, supernatural God that does things which are beyond expectation. Talking about this um, covenant relationship, um, could you do something for me? Uh, would you all greet one another? I, as many people as you like.
Okay. That's good. All right. I need uh, Elodge. Come here. Robin. Daniel. PJ, make a line, please. Make a line in front of me, please. Richard. Bring those people one at a time to me, please. I am the greeter. I greet you. 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 Thank you. Very affectionate. Thank you. I am the greeter. I do it. As against, I do it very seriously. As against what you all just did to one another. That's called mutuality. You did it one to another. God doesn't look for one person. He looks for each serving the other, one to another. Um, if you go through the scripture, the things that it tells you to do, one to another, is quite amazing. I just pulled out a few. Let me just give you a few. These are the things the Bible says, make sure you do mutually to each other. You understand mutuality, each other, right? It's when you go around doing one to another, love each other, encourage each other, build, be kind, don't lie, forgive, agree, confess sins, don't grumble, pray. That's just part of a list of the things that we do one to another if we are obedient to the scripture. And I've just pulled out one or two things that I want to draw your attention to as part of covenant relationship and part of what we teach uh, because I'm revisiting that stuff right now. Firstly, we recognize one another. Romans 14 talks about accepting people who we may consider weaker than ourselves. They don't have to qualify. We've already touched on this. So, you know, <clears throat> this should be, as we are a loving community, the most accepting sort of place. You haven't got to get to a certain point to be accepted. And that there should be a general level of acceptance. Now, acceptance is different to accommodation. We'll talk about that. We have time later on. If not, we have to carry it forward. But essentially, it's not about qualifying. And in fact, you might not be the same as me. You may even support a different football team. God help you. God can still change your heart, David. <laughs> See, if God accepts you, what the heck am I doing not accepting you? Who am I out of line with? I'm out of line with God himself. He's already accepted you, and I'm saying, no, not good enough for me. 
not up to my standard. Mutual acceptance, accepting one another. Mutual respect. Uh, I always like that scripture. I've referred to before in 1 Corinthians 16. Paul was a pretty strong character. And he strongly urged, I think it was Apollos. You can look it up, one of you, if you want. 1 Corinthians 16, verse 12. I think it was Apollos. He wanted him to go somewhere. Now, look, Paul is not a kind of, you know the character of Paul. He's not a kind of bland and weak character. If Paul wanted you to do something, you would pretty well know that he wanted you to do something. You know? But it's very interesting the way he says, um, but he was not of the mind to do this now. In other words, he was accepting there was a mutual respect. He was accepting that he also could hear from God. That it wasn't that he would dominate and dominate his will. He wanted him to come with a conviction and that it was the right thing to do. So he respected that he could hear from God. Mutual respect. Respect that we, one another can hear God. One another can catch God's heart. It doesn't mean to say I catch the same thing as you catch. I have the same word as you have. But it does mean that there's a freedom and a respect one for another. Then there's a whole area of mutual responsibility. The Bible says, I am my brother's keeper. And you know, I don't really need to know that because if I'm loving my brother, then I'm naturally feeling that sense of responsibility. And that's expressed in so many ways. And I just listed off a few a little while ago, but let's just consider um, that we are, as a member of a body, I'm... I'm not independent, I'm interdependent. And I, I'm, I, there's, a, there's a level of responsibility. Uh, I, I can't just sort of go out free, oh, well, that's, that's, that's nay, that's one of the members. That's Richard's problem. That's Richard's joy. It matter to me what's happening to nay. No, we're part of one another. And, and that is not written down as, oh, I signed up to it. It's part of the rules. Because if it's part of the rules, we just invented a new form of legalism. It's part of the heart. Then we've caught what God really wants. It matters. It means you can't go out free and bear one another's burdens. Because it's in a spiritual realm as well as a practical realm praying for one another, encouraging one another. If you want to practice encouraging, you can always practice on me. I present myself as a candidate, as a practice ground for encouragement. Anybody want to join me? Huh? Any, anybody like encouragement? Now make it real, won't you? You know? I don't like that encouragement. Someone comes to say, you know, I just really appreciate how much you do and how much you work, but I just want to mention you didn't do this. Wrapped up. You know? No, real encouragement. Kingdom stuff. And of course, practical ways. We give 
We've already said it's more blessed to give than receive. So giving of time, of money, of possessions, not books. <laughs> communication. That's a good giving. Giving of communication. Hmm? Mutual loyalty. Loyal to one another. That's another great area. It means you don't get involved in gossip. Speak the truth. Speak honestly. And submitting to one another. We've already heard about that from Laura today. Submitting to God, submitting to her husband. Very good. But submitting one to another. Being open to hear and receive. It's all part of covenant relationship. It's a part of being joined in to what God wants. Isn't that good? So, what I've done, I've asked three or four people to come and share with us what sort of what sort of stands out, or what particular thing of covenant relationship um, kind of bubbles to the surface. So, um, pick one thing out that you'd like to comment on. Um, and uh, when they've done that, if there's time, it might be good to hear from you as well. So we'll start off with Mark. I think it was Mark. Neil. Yeah. Avril, definitely, because I gave her a specific. Phil. And if I've forgotten somebody else, you are also invited. <laughs> All right, go on in, Mark. Do you want a mic? I think for me, whoops, it comes back to the, the song that I started with this morning. I'll just read you the first verse. Could we live like your grace is stronger than our, all our faults and failures? Could we live like your love is deeper than our hearts can fathom? Could we live like this? And that's what I've been musing over, as I said right at the beginning of the service. Could we live like this? Could I live like this? What does that covenant relationship with my brothers and sisters look like? Do I think I get it right every time? No. Do I step it up regularly? Yes. Do I need to bring it back to God? Yes. And I think that's the thing. I think it's the bringing it back to him. Because he knows my failures. He knows when I stuff it up. And he's put me amongst uh, an interesting group of people who will regularly challenge me. And I think that's the key thing for me. It's that being provoked, being challenged. We had people, I'm not going to name names this morning, we had people around for dinner um, a couple of weeks ago. And I was chatting and sort of saying, yeah, but the people around the corner wouldn't do that for us here, would they? And somebody looked at me in the face and they said, yeah, but are you doing it? And it's one of those times where God just steps in and says, we can look at what other people are doing, what other people are saying, without looking at what's going on inside internally. So being part of covenant relationship for me is being willing to risk it for my brothers and my sisters. What do I mean by risk it? It means not 
holding back. It means not keeping your mouth shut when you know stuff is going up. Do you know what I mean? God promised you to say something, go say it. Why? Because that's how we are changed. That's how we are transformed. That's how God gets involved via other people usually. I love it when my children do it to me. God has a, a way of just using our children sometimes to bring some correction. Yeah, but Dad, you said this. Yeah. I suppose that doesn't happen for anybody else. But I'm sure it does. So it's being willing to be transparent, being willing to be open. And I'll just give you one quick story to finish it off. I'd asked um, John to disciple me a number of years ago. And I faithfully used to turn up in his office and blurb out everything that I, want, he thought, I thought he wanted me to say. And this went on for a long, long time. Probably, I don't know, 18 months. And John being John used to, used to nod and, and smile. And there was one time when it all had gone terribly wrong for me. I mean terribly wrong. And I walked into his office and I sat down and it all came out. And I know John doesn't smile very often, but that day he smiled. And although he didn't have to say it, he knew that for the first time I was being open, I was being transparent, and I was being honest. And at that point, God stepped in and completely changed that entire situation. And it took for me to get to that rock bottom. So my advice, don't wait for it to get to rock bottom. Because God gets involved when that openness, when that transparency comes. And I sat there, and it just literally all came out. At which point, God spoke. John could get involved. And he knew. He already knew that was the thing. But he was waiting for that moment in me to say, there it is, John. Happy smiley Mark is really a complete blubbering wreck inside and it's all going horribly wrong. I've got all this and all that and my family's doing this. And and it just all came out. So how much better is it to be open with each other? To have those sort of relationships where we enable God to get involved much quicker through the process rather than waiting and feeling but if I say this, what are they going to think of me? What are they going to think of me? My final words is, what are they going to think of you? Well, what does God think of you? Because isn't that all that really matters? All right, so Mark's highlighted the, uh, the risk and the joy of openness. Uh, Neil, are you going to come tell us what bubble to the surface key thing, covenant relationship for you? Yeah. 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 I'm really pleased that God's covenant with me is one I can't lose. That as I stand here today, I know there's nothing that I can do that could make him love me any more. There's nothing I can do that can make him love me any less. It's not an agreement between equals that 
somehow I have to keep my side of the bargain and, and then he will live up to his. He's chosen to set his heart on me. He's promised never to leave or forsake me. He's promised that he's with us always. He's promised that he won't leave us as orphans. And he's promised that he'll come to me in the power of his spirit. So God's promises are to us individually, and his desire is that we should love in that same way, with that same attitude of commitment. God's given us the church and one another to test out the sincerity of that love. He could, you know, we could just, as John was saying, we could just be loving in this kind of isolated world, a bubble. But God's put us with people that sharpen us, that give us a challenge to love. But remember, we need to love like God loves us. God gave me a dream. Um, David, David Jones is not here today. One of the things that he will do uh, when, when uh, it really embarrasses me, is he gives me a big hug. He's a good hugger. I don't know if you ever come across that. And he doesn't just hug. He hugs beyond that which is reasonable. Now, I've got an estimate. <laughs> I've got an estimate in my head how long a hug should last for. Okay? And, and as I stand there, and I'm being hugged by David Jones, I hug him back. And I think, this is good. And it just it keeps going, doesn't it? <laughs> God, when God hugs me, he hugs me beyond that which is reasonable. He never lets me go. God gave me this dream that I was being hugged and lifted up, actually by my son. But that's what, that was a dream that God gave me. And I felt he was saying to me that there was a lifting that was going on. We talked about this thing of uh, relationship, uh, uh, generations, one generation leading the next, that there's something going on in this covenant relationship that is much deeper than I think we can grapple with. There's a hug that God has for us that just goes on and on. And my hug for everyone, the, the, the love that God has given me for everyone here flows out of that compassion. It doesn't start with a checklist. It doesn't start with things that I must do in order to love people. It starts with the revelation that actually this body, look around you, this body is who God has joined together. We sing a song, open your eyes, see the glory of the King. As you look around you, see the glory of the King. Out of our love for him, so we can love one another. It's not contractual. It's not about ought to, as in, I ought to eat less chocolate cake. It's about ought to, as in being enabled. And I just... Um, I could talk about specifics, but this, this little uh, passage from 1 Corinthians 13, is just three verses... God spoke to me about this morning when what is this covenant relationship about well it's based on love now 1 Corinthians 13 verse 4 everywhere it says the word love 
you can put the name Jesus. But God's desire is that everywhere the word love is, put your name, because you loved with his love. Love is patient. Love is kind. It does not envy. It does not boast. It is not proud. It's not rude. It's not self-seeking. It's not easily angered. It keeps no record of wrongs. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth. It always protects. It always trusts. It always hopes. It always perseveres. Love never fails. Okay, thanks, Neil. One word. Love. Commitment. Commitment, okay. Won't let you go. That's the hug thing. It's the aspect of covenant relationship that has, has really come to in. Av? Openness and the commitment, the love that won't let us go. The others I just asked to pick up what came. Ever I asked to do a specific. Um, John asked me to do what bearing, bearing burdens, bearing with one another looked like. I did it in two ways. I did it in how you know you're bearing with others and how you know you're being bared with. Bared. Oh, bared. <laughs> Not that bared, it's a different bared. Right. You'll know you're bearing with others when it matters. And I mean it really matters. It's like you'll find yourself praying for people. You'll, you'll maybe wake up in the morning and the first thing you think about is like, what's happening for them at a particular time? Is there something particular happening? When you're driving along the car, you'll be thinking about them a lot and just kind of saying, God, what, what do you want to do there? Or how do you want to change? Or, or just feeling something if somebody's in a particular difficult situation, just feeling their concern. Your concern for them will be greater than the, your own needs. You'll be prompted to do practical things, even before they ask, and it won't be a problem, and it's highly likely to be inconvenient. You'll hear God about the right response to them, which might be to confront them. It might be just to hug them, as Neil was saying. Or it might be just to do say nothing, just to be with them. Bearing with others is when we choose to say, God, how can we connect here? It's an empathetic thing, not a, a sympathetic thing. And when I've known, I'm just giving some examples from me now, really, of when people have carried a bone with me, bared with me. I've found that they've cried with me, not in a kind of really corny sympathetic, oh, yeah, it's really awful, isn't it? What are we going to do? Not that way. That's not helpful. But they've cried with me in an empathetic way. They've felt what I've felt. They've, it's mattered to them, and I've known it's mattered to them, but they haven't crumbled with me. They've stood strong beside me, but felt my pain. 
they'll often do something that might be difficult or tiresome, which is quite often if you're involved in my life. You end up getting involved in things that you're really thinking, why am I helping her with this? I'm very good at overcommitting. And then I turn to my friends and say, oh, I've said I'll do these things. And they're like, and the amount of times people said, all right, I'll help. And it hasn't felt like people going, oh, I suppose I'll help. But really just thought, you know, I'll just do it because you need help. And that really makes a huge difference if you've taken, even when you've taken down the right things as well as the wrong things. That sense of someone just, just doing it with you, it makes all the difference. And that's what bearing with each other is. Sometimes it's been because like I haven't maybe wanted to do something on my own. And the interesting thing is, and the thing that really works for me particularly, or it really helps me, is when somebody anticipates that. So it's not even a case of I have to ask, but they anticipate that something's going to be hard for me. And they say, you know what, why don't I come with you? Or why don't I do it alongside? Or why don't we just face this together? That really feels to me like someone's bearing my burdens. I would last, I have... I have a problem because I have a garden and I hate gardening. Now, it is a postage stamp garden now, I'm very pleased, but it's still a pain in the neck. I hate it. And I have this obligation to do the garden, and it takes hours. After I've cut the grass and it takes 10 minutes, I think it took 10 minutes. It's not that problem, but it's a major pressure, particularly in the summer. And I asked um, a friend, my mum was down just at the beginning of the summer, and I asked a friend just to come. I was at work, and would they maybe just pop in and see my mum for a cup of tea? And when I came back... They'd entertained my mother, done my garden, brought summer plants. And you know, it's just one of these times when it, not only had it helped me out practically, but it was a particular issue, thing that I find a real pressure. And they'd just come along and not only bless me, but really helped me. And then at the end of the summer, another friend looked at this horrific state of a garden that just before the winter and said, could I do this for you? And, you know, and those things are really small things on one level, but really huge things. And I believe God prompts us to just do the things to meet the need that we have. And, you know, somebody else might not be such a lazy ass and quite enjoy the garden. But, but God knows me, and he prompted my friends to bless me in that way. And that just means such a huge thing. Thank you, Avril. That's... Bearing one another's burden, both ways, receiving, giving, Phil. I think I've got three words which are to do with sacrifice, uh, sort of sac sacrificial giving, generosity, and risk. And um, I guess my, my sense of covenant relationship is birthed in the experience that I had when I joined the church. Previously, I, I was going to um, a church that was stimulating and, you know, there was really powerful preaching and, it, you know, there's revelation upon revelation sort of every week. I mean, your, your mind could be exploded all the time with that. But there was a bit of a, a nagging, gnawing sense that we weren't really representing um, God in a kind of a real way, in a practical way that could, could make a, an impact. And when we came to Lifeline, there was just... Um, a real experience of something new and different that really communicated so much more than all the, those hours of powerful preaching and, and revelation. So I just thought I'd share some examples with you. 
Um, before we moved here, before we got a house here, we were living you know, a, a little while away, and it would take us about 45 minutes to get here. And I was working here, and then there were sort of opportunities to meet and fellowship with people, and we, we ended up sort of traveling back and forth all the time, and it, it was a bit tiring. And we just found that people were willing to feed us and to just offer their homes to us to have a base. Um, and they didn't even want anything. Like, like, they didn't even stick around to be polite sometimes. It was just, you know, here's a room, you know, crack on, do, you, do what you need to do here, do your work, here's my computer. And it was just simple things like that, but it was done with a real sense of generosity. And um, at some, some points, I'm sure it, it involved sacrifice for them um, as families as well. Other examples, when we were looking for house, houses, people who were very, very busy just gave up time to come and view houses with us, even though it cost them. Um, and there was just that sense, it wasn't just coming along to, to have a look around, but it was really being careful to try and make sure we got a good deal, we were being looked after, and that really communicated a lot to me and Claire. When we were over here, um, and Claire felt stirred to be involved with some youth work uh, with the want more, get more. Um, and we couldn't quite do it because I was a bit of a wuss and the thought of looking after three children on my own was, was scary. I think I shared this before, but you know, Claire going out, oh, that means I've got all three kids and I'll get run ragged by the little rascals. And um, Tim Asplin just uh, you know, offered to come round every week and he came around every Wednesday and he just helped you know, tidy up and help play with the kids and help put the kids to bed. And you don't kind of think of Tim Asprin as being your, you know, your motherly type, do you? <laughs> but um, he, he, it was really a real blessing to us and it meant that Claire could go out. So I th you know, he sacrificed something and that it was real time every single week, but it meant that Claire was released to, to be able to go and serve in, in another way. Sometimes it's just little things, like Avril said, that you've been on someone's mind and it's a text that you've got, been thinking about you, been praying for you on this, and it's just been a once-off, but it's meant so much in a difficult time. Sometimes it's people dropping around just to bring something or you know, share a cake or, or do something like that, but you know it comes with a sense of care, and there's a real sort of sense of generosity with that. And at other times, it's come where someone's risked a, a, a bad response by challenging me on things. And they've said, you know, you need to sort that out. But it's not come from a sense of, you know, you're wrong, but a sense of, I'm, I want the best for you. And I think that, that really makes a difference. So people who are willing to risk their own sort of friendship with you, I think is important. So all those things have been sort of coming to the fore. And I guess, like, for me at the moment, I'm thinking, what does that mean in moving forward? And I guess what I want to see is a real freshness coming in the way that Claire and I are, are able to invest our time and energy and money with people in this community. And to do that with a real sense of sacrifice, but with joy mixed in, because it's a real blessing, it's a real honor to, to be involved in that. And that's what I, I kind of I really feel God would be stirring for, for this coming year for us. Can I give one more example? Because this has happened the other day, and it was really nice to know that someone was there. I almost died on, um, when was it? 
Friday, I was about to go to the prayer meeting and I took an antibiotic um, tablet or something and I was sitting there on the sofa and suddenly I felt this tingling in my mouth. I was like, what's going on? Then I started coughing and then my bottom lip just went and swelled up. And then my eye started swelling here. I started getting like a rash down my shoulder and sort of these things popping up all over me and I was going like this. I thought my throat was going to close up and I was going to keel over at one point. But again, it was just nice to know because Claire just rang up someone and said, I think Phil's having a reaction to something. Can you c come and drive him to the hospital? And again, you know, that person just dropped whatever they were doing and, and ferried me over to the hospital. But I didn't die. So it's a bit of an overreaction, maybe. Just a tablet of pyritin, I think, you know, sorted it. Thanks, Phil. The things some people do to get out of the prayer meeting. Church at home. All right. So, okay, our time's our time's gone. Um, but tell you what, next week, I'll give you opportunity to just share. Remember, I said the value of Thanksgiving to say what aspect of covenant relationship. Just uh, I don't know. Looms large. Is that the right word? It's kind kind of just. Is the thing that you would like to to celebrate, and we'll, we'll give opportunity to a number of you to do that uh, next week. Um, briefly, um, shorter than what happened today, but it was very good. Very good. Look at the look she's giving me. But we picked up some real practicals there. Good. Just as um, Dad was talking earlier, the, the thing that stuck out to, in my mind was how when God sets me free, he does it by loving me into freedom. And one of the things that I would say has always been a blockage in me experiencing general relationship is being a very good judge. I can be judge, jury, and executioner all in one. And in that, I would say I was friends with James, and I really wanted to see James do well, and I was supporting James. Like, yeah, James, James is doing well. Then he doesn't do what I think he should do. Then he doesn't do what I think he should do a second time, then a third time, and then, like, all right, James doesn't want to go God's way. I've decided that I am the only person that can see God's way, and James hasn't gone that way. But then Richard says to me, oh, James did this really nice thing for me the other day. And immediately I think, oh, but Richard, let me tell you some things. Let me get you on the right page here so you can see where I'm coming from. Because by the time I've given up on James, I don't feel that Richard should have hope for him. And there's this feeling inside my gut, there's a twisting of this feeling like, oh, no, no, you... you no, you've got to understand about James. And I didn't realize how ugly that attitude was. It, was. it was something that was quite hidden from me because I felt very justified. I felt that I had some good arguments for, for reasons why. And I would actually make a list about James. I'd say, okay, right, so James is good in this way, in this way, in this way. I'd work really hard to try and think why he's a nice person. I really struggled with it. Um, <laughs> But I had this picture, well, it was one day 
I was going into a conversation. I was just talking to I was talking to Avril about some of my, my my friends who I would judge like that, and she said, "You don't seem to be judging in the same way." I thought, "No, I don't. I, I'm hopeful for them, even though they've not done what I felt they they should do." And I had a picture of sitting on a, a rooftop, and then the flood is rising up, and I'm just sitting there. I'm happy and the flood's getting higher. But I can't see the flood because I'm on the rooftop. And then a helicopter comes over top, drops down a rope ladder to me. And I think, well, I'm pretty safe here. I, no, let me step up onto this rope ladder. And as I'm being lifted up, I see that my whole neighborhood has been completely drowned and that water just filled over the top of the roof. And I realized, God, you saved me before I, ne I knew I needed it. Yeah. You loved me <clears throat> into freedom before I knew I was trapped and I was lost. Mm -hmm. And the song that, that sticks, sticks, sticks in my mind is By the Power of Your Love, because it says, the weaknesses you see in me will all be stripped away by the power of your love. It's not from beating it out of me. As my covenant with God, as he loves me, I'm set free. Yes. The weaknesses are stripped away and I can love others.
Okay, so now we're going to make our time of opportunity to respond to God and ask him to confirm his words with signs following. Hold me close. Let your love surround me. That's about the melting of heart. That's about coming back to a place where we can love others like we love ourselves without the obstacle of the queries about loving ourselves. That's a time for that to be dealt with. And as I wait, I rise up like the eagle and I will soar with you. I will. Your spirit leads me on in the power of your love. Let me invite you to uh, make that response to God now as we're just taking that through again. Let's take that, that what is, can you just put that first verse up for me, um, please, Pax? I think that was the one I wanted. Yes, Lord, I come to you. This is, this is a good prayer. Let my heart be changed, renewed, because we want to move on into the next level of loving him and loving one another. Flowing from the grace that I've found in you, Lord, I've come to know the weaknesses, the inability to love myself, the inability to, to reach out and express covenant relationship, the limitations to that. The weaknesses I see in me will be stripped away by the power of your love. Let's take that verse again and then the chorus. Lord, I come to you. Power of 
Let's lift up his name. Hallelujah. Let's declare his love. Hallelujah. Refreshing, uh, just as we are responding to God at that time, it may be that you'd like someone to stand with you in prayer. In a moment, there'll be opportunity for that. Let me just urge you again, God doesn't bring these things. He starts off, dear friends, because he wants us to have the joy of moving on into the next stage of what he's got for us. I see a very high tightrope, and it's vanishing into the mist, and it's like a huge cable, and there's a man tightrope walking, and he's going to the far end, into the mist, disappearing, and he's very secure, and everyone's cheering him on. And then he comes back, and then he does something really bizarre. He takes a wheelbarrow and starts wheeling that across, and everyone's cheering and thinks, this is amazing, and he wheels the wheelbarrow to the other end, and he wheels it back. And as everyone cheers, he says, right, who's going to come and sit in this wheelbarrow and let me wheel them across? And everyone goes very quiet. There are people here who think life is at the moment a bit like a tightrope and 2013 stretches into the horizon and it disappears into the mist and you're kind of scared. And you feel like God is asking you to walk it on your own. But actually he's saying, get into the wheelbarrow, I will wheel it, you will be completely safe. That story is a true story. It was a guy called Blondin who was a tightrope walker and a young boy got into the wheelbarrow and was wheeled across the other side and back again, Niagara Falls, and he was completely safe. And God is saying, step into my purpose. It is completely safe because it begins and ends with the words, I love you. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Dave. All right, take that opportunity. If you'd like someone to stand with you, then uh, the prayer team will be here. Let's fellowship together. <clears throat> 